Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He said that I must save France from her enemies and bring her back into the hands of God. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Underrated Podcast, a podcast that looks at films that are underrated, unappreciated, and ones that have just slipped under the radar and passed most people by. I am Derek McDuff, and with me as always are my co-hosts alan torres hey what's up everybody and ariel ortiz hello we also have a special guest uh from film joy mikey newman how's it going man oh hi thank you so much for being on uh mikey was actually the one who suggested the movie we're going to be talking about today which is 1999's The Messenger, the story of Joan of Arc, which is a film directed by Luc Besson, uh, starring Mila Jovovich. Um, so yeah, this movie did not do very well critically or financially. Um, it was kind of you know stuck in that very crowded year of 1999 where there was a lot of films that were considered the best of all time. This one doesn't really get put on those lists often, but it, it does have some interesting stuff, but... Mikey, I would love to hear why this was your selection. It's such a specific moment in time, because obviously it's the story of, of Jean of Arc, Jean. Um, <laughs> you have like the tale of two Frances who is also being invaded and imperialized by Britain. Like it's all, it's, you have the Burgund- Burgundians and the French. You just have this like, awful situation and this teenager just strolls up to the army like i should lead your army (laughs) uh and they're like no that's not a good and she's like well too too late (laughs) i think i think i respect it because joan of arc is like the og leroy jenkins oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) the raid commander is like don't Mess with the whelps! And uh, sure enough, Joan's just right, just hacking whelps left and right. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really glad you picked it because Joan of Arc has always been a historical figure that has really, really interested me. She is just so, just kind of like an iconoclast. There's nobody else really like her from history. Just like, you know, this teenage girl who just like led an army, kicked all of this ass, and like got kidnapped and then put on trial and and I like how the movie kind of is like oh was she talking to god was it the devil Dustin Hoffman was she just mentally ill like you can take 
like you can you know, believe whatever you want to believe, and this movie doesn't really come down too hard one way or the other. You can kind of, I think, view it with different interpretations. And I've always really been interested by her character. I watched the silent Joan of Arc film maybe six months to a year ago, and I was just really interested to see that story. And it's really just kind of like the trial and just close-ups of her crying a bunch. And I was like, okay, I kind of wanted to see more of like the badass Joan of Arc out there in the fields. And, you know, so when you suggested this, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to get some more of that movie um, or, you know, kind of the movie I was expecting to get which is what I got here, uh, the first, like, maybe hour, I'm like, okay, what is going on here? This is a little slow. But then it kicks into high gear. It becomes, like, a cr- just, like, insane action movie with just, like, lots and lots of just, just like, cool, like, like almost, like, not quite Lord of the Rings, but maybe, like, on par with, like, a gladiator or something. Like, just these Gladi- big, epic, yeah, historical battles. There's no CG, though. Like, that's all real. Yeah, that yeah, was... really, really great practical effects for sure. I mean, Alan, you know, loves. I know you love practical effects, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I was, uh, you know, I, I don't know that it's like the greatest film, but it definitely had all these really interesting elements in it. Like you said, like it is a moment in time, ninety nine. You wouldn't get a movie made like this anymore with this dedication to doing things practically. Mm. And yeah. you, oh, sorry, go. Oh no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was ju- I was just gonna quickly ask: Can you name any other person you see in movies that was both uh, canonized and sainted by the Catholic Church that was also burned alive by the Catholic Church? Right, which exactly. I think is what this movie is about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I like being the Catholic here. Um, it's very much like it, it shows the worst of like what what the church has been and sometimes is is like very much in the political side of things and truly the only true representation of the catholic church was that one that's like this is i don't i don't want any part of this we should not have any part of this i'm going to the pope and getting his um opinion because he is you know our the the true spokes you know the mouthpiece of, of God and 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 stuff like that, and he should have the ins. He should he will be the only one that has the insight of this. So that very much is like, and then even to an extent, like the the preset that did have her on trial, and very much he was a lot, very much forced into it. I think he really truly believed in her and stuff like that. I think uh, he and that it was very much a pressure and a political thing. Like it's very much like he knew what happened when um, you know she showed up dressed like as a man. I think he the French sold her to England though. Yeah. So like the French kind of did a dirty here. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh no, definitely, definitely, and I think it's very much like. Uh, you know, there's there's a stereotype of French being, you know, like in wars, very much. Uh, we're good enough. <laughs> so so well, yeah, it definitely was, them though. Yeah, yeah, but they just like uh, I got like, which is true. Like it's just so very much like John Malkovich's character is. Uh, I don't know. I don't want. It's. I'm pretty sure it's very stereotypical. And it and it's a very stereotype, like you know the the whole like, 
um in world war ii of like oh the french is like easily surrendering and then the french in war history kind of like have gotten a bad rap of of being seen as easily surrendering and this is very much a another instance of that because he's like well i got i got you know orleans and I don't need like it's Paris. Like, why don't you want your capital or you know or like one of your biggest cities? And he's like, "Well, I'm already king. I'm good." And it's very much like, "Well, it's 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 just such a frustrating thing." And and the whole thing with Jonah Jonah Vark and and I it, I know for for this movie in particular, they had they went over they had to be dramatic. And so that it, the story of her is very much dramatized in this version. And I was like reading up a little bit of the history behind it, and like she wasn't really much in the battlefield. She was very much well, the, uh, the uh, wounds in this movie are actual. She took an arrow to the chest, and she took an arrow to the leg. Yeah, she did in battle, but she was more in the background, like than on the foreground you know she wasn't the charging person she was like essentially what she did in at the beginning of, of like the speech with the speech and pulling off like a you know like an aragon before aragon kind of speech <laughs> and, and uh and uh rallying up the troops and she was a symbol for the french troops and that's why she's contributed to saving france because she uh, like you know in a lot of saints um, instances where she is very much, uh, you know, a spokesperson and a voice of of truth and reason, and that's why, like, you know, kind of like they showed canonizations. I was reading up on her um, miracles because in the Catholic Church you need you need four to be blessed and then another two to be canonized, and and so the Catholic Church recognizes her saving England as one. Which is like saving very much England. Save, or no, not England, saving France. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was about to say. <laughs> Sorry, saving France. I was like, France wow, it is, is a miracle. One. Yeah, saving France is one. And I think that's very much like it, it's because of the hope she provided the French troops and stuff, or the French army and stuff like that, that that's what saving England is. Or not in France. Oh my gosh, they're so close together. <laughs> um, and then another one is like she, while she was in a few cities, while she passed by certain people with illnesses, they their illnesses got cured. And so those are the other three that happened during her time and during her life. And then the two other ones were made like post-harmoniously where it's like people invoked her name and bless and and cured people or, or of of things of two we, other things. So that's what contributes her miracle. Are we only going to talk about this literally, or are we going? <laughs> no, it's very much like a like the I, movie itself. Like now stepping out of the literal and the historical, sure, sure, the sure. movie the movie itself very much is like yeah, like a dramatization of that. In and yeah, like of of how visions are seen you know and could be interpreted and, and things like that of i i was because you know watching on on amazon prime and pausing it and like the character name that they gave dustin hoffman is the conscious consciousness mm -hmm. yeah the conscious yeah i did the same too. I was yeah curious. yeah i was and like oh is he really the devil's but yeah <laughs> i think no. it's very no it's i don't heard out that's why they yeah. cut to like no one being there
Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's doubting herself because she lived her whole life totally believing that God had told her the sword you found in the field is going to lead France to, and Dustin Hoffman's like, you found a sword in a field. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I actually like, love that part. Yeah. It's just very much, it's really, it's a really interesting way to like show of faith because like, yeah, like things to be interpreted in, in the spiritual way or the practical way. And, and she, but also with her taking it the spiritual way, she kind of like, corrupted like in what Dustin Hoffman's character pulled out of like you're saying these things and like kind of like making yourself important like yes you might be important but you're not showing humbleness there there's the word you're not showing in hum- a humbleness of this life and stuff like that you're you, like up and like throughout the movie I was like she's very demanding and like yes you might be a messenger of God but you know, you don't demand like that. You know, you don't like you. You're you're supposed to be a person of the people. You know, kind of. I'm thing. sorry. Were you canonized yeah. by the Catholic Church? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I do think you know. You guys are hitting on something. What I kind of mentioned that is, I think you can interpret things yeah. in this movie through different lenses. You know, like I think Ariel, through you know your Catholicism, you took it a, a differently a certain way. I think Mikey, you definitely took it. A very different way you know like and i kind of you know tried to look at it like the top in inception is like i don't know which way this is gonna go i could take it either way but i don't know you probably i think you have some different thoughts on that mikey uh okay so the most important fact about this movie is that it was shot by thierry uh arbogast who shot quite a few french movies uh la, la kiss of the dragon the Jet Li movie was one but oh most wow i haven't heard that in a long time he shot the Halle Berry classic, Catwoman. Monster Ball? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa. He shot the basketball oh, scene? That's cinematic masterpiece. Wow, the, the best DC movie ever. Catwoman never misses. <laughs> never. Uh, I, no, I, all I was going to say is, like, I mean, it's a very very french film that's like mm-hmm. like holy like trying to be like this was our history and what i think is really interesting is you have this whole war apparatus that was working they were going to uh invade the stronghold and and take it out and she just like literally leroy jenkins everyone in there because they'll all follow her but the reality is probably either way they would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's it's the first thing she does is run in with a flag like this is all I need, and then she's like, <laughs> actually, I do need a sword, but I'm not going to kill anybody. You killed like twelve people. Okay, <laughs> no more, no more after this one or this one or this one or the. I don't know. It's just it it puts a reality on disgusting things like that scene when she just absolutely has a a mental episode when the dude's trying to to mace that guy's teeth out and he's like he's got nice teeth oh yeah and he's like you can't just just break a guy's skull for his teeth and he's like why not (laughs) and it's like there's so many more like angles to the ugliness of war that are not covered by uh religion mm-hmm. like they run into it you know 
knife in hand, but like this, the second the rubber hits the road, like it gets complicated. And I appreciate this movie is just like, maybe she doubted herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is very much like a saint thing to do. It's like, yeah, that, there's a lot true. of saints, saints always yeah. doubt themselves. <laughs> the what, she was saint. like, she was so humble in so many ways. Like she refuses like any, like they give her all these nice expensive dresses and she just like leaves them in a box. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. like, I need this piece of white cloth mm-hmm. and some pants. And I'm yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. She's humble. Yeah. She's humble in certain areas, but not all areas. But but also, she strolled up on nine huge French dudes in charge of an army, and she was like, "I'm in charge," and it worked. Yeah, like I, I would saint her too. That's incredible. Yeah, right. Hundreds. It is very much like it was very much a nice thing to see of like the people's belief in her, the common people, not the. The asshole, um, Malkovich and, and, and Malkovich, Malkovich the, and Dauphin, the Dauphin of France. I am the that's Dauphin the, of the, France. That's the eldest son of the king and in line to take the throne, if you were wondering. I so did wonder me. that and I looked it up yeah. on my phone while I was watching the movie and it translates from Dolphin. I don't know why they call their princes Dolphins, but okay. Well, I think Dolphin because it came from Dauphin. Probably, yeah. Like, yeah. I, no, like it's the French word for dolphin is, is the the second in line for the throne or whatever. All dolphins are princes. That's <laughs> canon. That's canon. And as always in like French history, this the second brother should have been the one to be the ruler because like I had a lot more respect for his half brother than him, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's such a weird situation. Because, like, you're not really next in line to the throne. You're next in line to what is effectively kind of a civil war happening in your country. (laughs) Like, it's not exactly like, yeah, Yeah. this is perfect. You do tax everyone and live an incredibly wealthy life. So that part, I think, worked out for them. Yeah. (laughs) As a, as always in politicians' lives, but um, <laughs> um, no, no, yeah, it was just very much uh, like you said, it, like now saying like it's a very French movie. Yeah, it's a very French movie. It has its it's like it, it's it's not uh, like complete French. Like I know that complete French just goes out there and just like is just. So you want to talk about Truffaut? Let's oh, like homeboy yeah. from uh, Irresistibles in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 There was a lot of like French people in this. Um, yeah. I was like, oh, is that Vincent also... Cassell? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, of... he rules in this movie. Right. Yeah, Hot no, Vincent sure. Cassell is all you need to know about this movie. <laughs> I was like, he's <laughs> young. He's not even the Silver Night Fox yet. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, it was a lot of French actors, but then they were n- not enough french actors at the same yeah it was like there's french people and then there's just john malkovich and dustin hoffman just speaking in like their normal american accents and i'm just yeah. like okay and then there's well, that one guy the, the one guy from dexter as well devil yeah he doesn't no, have the guy who from. uh the, the the guy from dexter uh he he was a yeah. uh, he, he was like super american like they're like ah we need to go take down the, the, the english and then he's just like john 
I can't do that. And I'm like, wow, that is American, my guy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're talking about Desmond Harrington. I th- is that like, he was in he was in Dexter. Yeah. He was like one of the He was in the Dexter, he was on Justified. Justified. He was the oh, villain. Dude. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he was the villain in Ghost Ship. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> we talked about that movie on this yeah, podcast. Dude, Desmond yeah. Harrington is my boy. I love yeah. that guy. <laughs> no, I followed him like, since this movie. Yeah, That's while awesome. watching, I was like he's very much like this actor like he's been in he's done a lot of good things and a lot of good shows and movies and stuff like that but he's always like he's like that um there's another actor that like is very commonly like that like oh he's always in good things and does good things good very well but he's Brian Cranston no like top um but but yeah very much so um he 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 was really good i felt very bad for him I feel very bad for the situation that, you know, that he was put in. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, just like how he. I think he really cared for for, um, Joan and and um, and just having to deal with that and stuff like that. Her just like sometimes very like in the clouds and stuff and and um, literally, literally, <laughs> like having a seizure like in the middle of war, just like let's fucking go. <laughs> They're just like, Whoa, Joan, chill, chill. Yeah. Yeah, and then also like essentially like I very much feel like well no he did his his friend or who who he thought he was his friend you know John Malkovich's character like betraying him you know yeah at the end well right off the bat he's like who's gonna take over for me real fast just in case it's an assassin not oh, these yeah. three but you my guy because <laughs> you're a nice guy so fuck you <laughs> I, like, I wow. like when he tells that one guy like you could pass for the king and then he goes. Was I, was I, until you talked. <laughs> the guy with the scar down his face. Yeah. That guy was low-key kind of the MVP. He just like, like Dude, a, I, he, he has that like Legion of Doom spiked chest right? piece and he's just he looks bear like hugging. Of, right? He looks like he's straight out of like Warhammer 40k or something. Yeah. Like yes. Oh well, well, if we're gonna be talking about the MVP, we have to talk about my boy and his trebuchet. Yeah, the that trebuchet. was the shit. I loved yeah, him so mic. much. Be careful with my baby. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> Be careful with that trebuchet. Dude, the weaponry in this movie, like the actual, the balls that go down yeah, that, that hole like, in the wall. Big. And like, dude, that, that was, was, oh, so, that was sick. so sick. I love that. Oh, the so the spinning. Uh, oh, when it took like, that guy's oh, head off? When it yeah, just like literally the guy's head off. <laughs> explode like i was like okay this is a cool and then just like i was like oh wow i was not expecting just a head to explode out of here like scanners straight up almost mm-hmm. i always I less always subtle about, like, than scanners <laughs> yeah <laughs> at least like scanners had a little bit of a build-up but with the michael ironside but yeah this was just bam like i was kind of like when i saw it spinning i was like what's that gonna do that ain't gonna do shit boom and i was like oh nope it does something never mind <laughs> So, Mikey, of all the underrated movies, because I was like, all right, pick one. You gave me a list, but this was the number one on your list. Oh, like, what What was it that, like, we were, like, zeroed in and, like, all right, let's talk about The Messenger. I, well, part of it is, like, I wanted to watch it with my partner, Tara, who had never seen it. So we had a little date night last night watching this. Mostly doing a Project Runway judging on all of the costuming and hairstyles and hat styles of 
1400s France. Um, <laughs> not not all about the fashion of that era. I gotta be honest. Um, not a fan of the couture. Uh, couture is a strong word, sir. Um, it was accurate. It was accurate. Yeah, a period accurate for yeah. sure. It was yeah. beautiful. It's just like why why do you gotta do the weird double butted like hat piece? I don't know. Piece, I was thinking I the same thing. I was thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, and like, was their hair like extended into it? So I don't. Or yeah, was it probably. just? It was okay. Yeah. Oh, while yeah. we're on the subject of mm. incredible cameos in this movie. Freaking Faye Dunaway. Yeah. Wow. Incredible in this movie. I yeah, yeah so she was so cameo. good. Like, oh, it was all, I, really, I wouldn't even call it a bit part. I don't think you would think it was a camp. She's like the, like, yeah. she's like the third or fourth, like, build, I think, in the movie, like, ahead of Vincent Cassell. Is she the Who sister? Who rules? He's she a, was the mom. Yeah, Malkovich's mother in law. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The one who's, like, mm-hmm. just, like, kind of scheming a little bit in the background. She's kind of the Lady Macbeth-esque figure, I guess, almost. The yeah, Cersei feel- Lannister, if you need a modern ref. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so, like, much of, like, how I, I felt I felt with, like, Joan right there. Because it's, like, I felt like they were so sincere, especially her. Like, she was, like, I truly believe in Joan and, like, you know, proving all these things. And then, yeah, like, they get the, the they get Orleans. And it's just completely throwing her onto the side. And I'm just like, you guys, like, I, I felt betrayed, too. Like, on that side, I was like, oh, how? Like, she, you guys still have more to accomplish. Like, I don't even, like, I'm I'm not that but, good at, with the history, but I don't know uh, if they were able to get the rest through. She marches things. on to Paris and runs, like, a week-long campaign to get through, and they lose all their men. Yeah. And they basically just kind of dwindle out front. Uh, mm-hmm. So, worked great the first time, yeah. Leroy. Second time, <laughs> not so hot. Yeah, you can only kind of do that once every... You only get one kind of miracle. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I'm sure Orleans was, like, a little, a lot smaller than Paris, you know? For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We... Well, one thing I wanted to ask you guys is, do you guys know anything about, like, the production history of this movie? Because it's kind of wild. Mm-mm. No, not uh, at all. I, all I really know is that you can call this movie one of the Frenchiest movies ever made after Luc Besson made The Fifth Element. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that... I don't know, man. You, you, gotta, think, you gotta ask Jasper Noé. Or yeah. Jasper Noé. That, that guy's think, fucking insane with his French movies. I think Mila Jovovich can never do a movie that isn't, like, something about the production. <laughs> like, well, I just feel like every movie that she does... just It's he, not on yeah. her. It's more so, like, it's just every project that I've heard of hers is just, like, always, like... It's something's up. <laughs> but yeah. Well, a quick note on then on like kind of the way it was shot, which I thought I don't know like if you guys have seen the the silent film, but I was like, man, there's all these weird like tight shots of people's faces from like low angles that are kind of like I'm like, why is this here? And I and I think it's because it kind of mirrors the old the the silent film. So I that was my take on it. But um, to kind of get into the production, because I was looking into this, it originally um was a film that was developed for like. A long time, like like years, by Catherine Bigelow, and mm, Bigelow really? brought on yeah Luke Besson as a producer, 
Um, because they're like, she's like, oh, I should get a French producer. This guy is hot off the heels of the Fifth Element, and he's French, and blah blah. Let's he knows his action movies, so let's get him involved. That's the prerequisite. We got we got the prerequisite yep. down. And so then she's like, does all this research for years about Joan of Arc, and she's getting ready to make a movie. And Luke Besson's like, okay, cool, you're gonna cast my then wife Mila Jovovich in this, and she, she's like, no, I'm I'm gonna cast somebody else. And he's like, oh, well, guess what. We're, we're done. I, I'm pulling out of this and I'm going to make... He's like, he's, It was basically the bender just like, well, screw you guys. I'll go make my own uh, Joan of Arc movie with like, flapjacks and hookers and, you know, just like he just, just like steals all of her research and is like now... And he's like, yep, I'm going to cast my wife as, as Joan of Arc and he got sued by Catherine Bigelow. They settled out of court and she ended up not making her um, Joan of Arc movie because he basically wow. just did it instead and I would have like, like no offense to this movie because I think this is a good movie. That I would have think Catherine Bigelow's Joan of Arc movie could have been a great movie, and I would have paid so much money to like see a zero dark thirty style meditation from Catherine Bigelow because I think that maybe so torture. A movie... <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah well, there actually, actually there was quite a bit of torture. Never mind. Yeah, Never yeah. Mind. Um, like this, this tortured psyche of this like really like powerful female figure who like I'm just gonna put it out there. Luke Besson probably not the greatest person to be like, hey, I'm gonna tell this story of a woman. Like you know, Luke Besson not the greatest in that regard. Um, I'm not gonna get too much into that because <laughs> I don't want to bring us down too much. But I really would have liked to see her version of this story. I think it could have been something truly great. And I think there's some like there's definitely the DNA of like the research and everything she did in this movie in it and that's probably what makes the movie like elevates this movie is other than like the action him just having a really good eye luke Besson having a really good eye for making compelling interesting action set pieces i do think that all the stuff she did was like okay this is who joan of arc was this all this because he just kind of straight up wholesale stole all of that research that she had done well that is sad i didn't know that <laughs> it's hard to bum everybody out but yeah, I was really yeah, I was curious about the how this movie came to be and why he was chosen as the director. And I was like, man, because she was like really one of our few like direct like female directors from the '90s that was you know would have been given a movie like this. And uh, Luke Besson kind of had a blank check to steal a term from Griffin Newman, uh, just kind of like do whatever you want after the Fifth Element. And same thing with Mila Jovovich. And then he kind of made this, and it bombed. And obviously, you know, I don't think his he's had really. Um, a hit of that caliber since then. Yeah, and then she moved on to the Resident Evil director and got did all those movies with that director, mm -hmm. <laughs> married to that director. Uh, she, um, she has an affinity for directors, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, are you saying what, there are people that don't have an affinity <laughs> for directors? Um, I mean, you're not wrong. I, <laughs> do we need to bring up Twilight? Uh oh. <laughs> Damn, so, low blow. Oh no, don't 2Ks do like that. It's, it's, oh my god. I, so, she admitted it was a mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, would you be interested? Would you think she, it's kind of like too, it hurts, it would be hurtful too much if she tried to, to do a Joan of Arc movie now? Like, well, I don't I know if a, she's like not over it or whatever. Or if she, well, she, I think a lot of the stuff of, she like, was going to put in anything. it. Oh, I think yeah. a lot of the stuff she was going to put in her Joan of Arc movie ended up in this one, you know, so it would probably be, you know, like, 
like, well, you know, like, what's the point of this? This is, you know, you're, this is, we saw this movie in 1999 already. We saw already a different version of it. Well, to be fair, no one saw that movie in 1999. That's a good point. I was about to say. That's a good yeah, point. That's what I, to, yeah. I, I, I was going to say, you know what, though? You, she probably has a better opportunity now, especially with her, like, you know, name right now, like big name recognition. So I think she probably has a good opportunity to, like, retry it. Maybe she can tweak it up a little bit. But, I mean... Fix the uh, vision scenes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take yeah. the camera a couple inches away from the face. You know. Y'all haters? Y'all <laughs> haters. You asked me on the underrated podcast. This is the most beautifully photographed movie of 1999. Sorry, The Matrix. <laughs> I, was, I said I said I took it. It was a good throwback. Oh, no, I, the I, I, I film. No, I I'm sad. No, my re- to be fair, my response when I, when the, I because I they you first said uh the mate the messenger I'm like oh like the Ben Foster Woody Harrelson one no also an incredible movie and then, no, and then, I love and then that movie. wait wait and I'm like oh well surely the other like the haunted house one right with with um Dylan McDermott and no I'm like Joan of Arc one and he's like yes I'm like dang it <laughs> okay <laughs> I I I I I've vaguely remember seeing this originally um like in you were in, one of the I, three I people who bought tickets to it i didn't watch yeah. it i know when it came out on video we were my, all at my, the dad, my dad had an affinity of of renting movies that have to do with you know like religion and, and spirituality and stuff which is you know usually a good choice but uh but yeah with this one i, I just vaguely like it, like it's spun it stood in my my head of like how over the top the visions were and so so watching this i'm like yeah they're over the top but true truly like the story itself is really like an interesting one and very much buys for it being told and that's why it would be awesome if if captain bigelow you know gets to would would do her you know her spin on it because yeah yeah like joan it's, it's just very much like a it's a grandeur story in itself, just in the how like it's because it, yeah, when you brace it, when you boil it down, it's this girl who like just comes and says, "I will lead you to your victory," and you know, and and essentially doing it and, and stuff like that, and um, yeah, so so the story is good, good, but. The movies, yeah, it, it's very like uh, once you said it was a, uh, it was what Luke um, based on. I was like, oh, this makes sense, <laughs> yeah, with how the movie is. But I mean, truthfully, you... I, I, I actually, oh, sorry, go ahead, man, my bad. No, 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 I was just gonna make a dumb quip about. Are you saying the executive producer of the Transporter films didn't take this seriously? <laughs> Whoa! Wait, I'll take. he did the Transporter. Okay, okay. Produced, I'm, produced the. Three okay, did he? He didn't do Taken, did he? He, he just that was a Megatron. I right? he actually probably it. he did. If I, I know he guess. was involved, I think maybe he did the first one or just produced him. I know it was Olivia Megatron, but yeah, Megatron. Whoa. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> what are you gonna say? Cyberbot produces. Oh no, I was just gonna say. He, um, no, he wrote I, it, I, but didn't direct it. Taken. Okay. Um, no, I was just gonna say. I, I, I really dug the hell out of the movie, man. Like, like you were saying, we we don't get a lot of films like this where we're actually 
like on location. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, the movie, I, my only real big complaint was it was a little too long. You know, maybe cut like a couple minutes here and there. But just like a, our one of our previous movies that we did was Count of Monte Cristo. I'm a huge fan of like on location settings, like especially like the practical effects and everything. Like, dude, it was gorgeous. Like, I loved every time like they would just kind of show off the river and like the 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 big gorgeous fields and you know that magical sword coming out of the sky and all that. But I mean, that that's one thing that I really do miss a lot is seeing on location films because nowadays we're just now we're just using CGI for everything, yeah. and then now we have these big old, you know, like in Mandalorian and Book of Boba, where they have like that spherical wall thing that just makes a setting for you, a space or whatever they call it. Yeah, something like like I just heard that the Batman that that there's a, there's a shot that like when he's overlooking the city, they just put the screen in front of him, and he's like, boom, there he is. And I was like, man, that kind of took away a little bit of the magic. I mean, I still want to go see it, but. I don't know. There's something really cool of just knowing that, like, every, people are there on location. Just the same thing with mm-hmm. practical effects, even if it's just like weapons and a little gore here and there, or like crazy monster effects, like the fly or anything. Something about like looking like you can touch it or be there yeah. is really magical. And like, that's what I really liked about this movie is that set pieces were gorgeous. Like, you know, you know, they had to put all all this money and effort into it, and and it just goes to show. So. That was one of my highlights for me is that I love that, you know, that they were in those castles, they were on the battlefield, they were in those towns. And I'm just like, dude, like, we don't get that anymore. So I think for me personally, I guess that's why, you know, for you picking it, I thank you for picking it. And it does really seem like a great underrated film because it's gorgeous. Like, it's just a very beautiful film to look at, man. Especially that. Yeah, definitely Uh, production wise, it's, it's a really good film. It is. I was, yeah. g- was going to say free tip for movies like this. You can throw them on at parties and just mute it and then throw on <laughs> soundtracks. It's incredible. <laughs> no, that's. that's yeah. What, well, what, I think what, M- what every we... single M. Night Shyamalan movie is great. <laughs> if you get rid of the Wu Tang and Last Airbender, I'm not kidding. It's the greatest <laughs> thing in the whole world. Oh, my God. I was about oh, to what? say, like, wait, 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 wait. wait. Yeah. On that note, what would be your choice for her visions? Like, what what's your prime song uh, choice? I, for her I, I feel like I would go like Justice, like old school. Ooh, like, I mean, it's Justice. French, right? So that, that yeah, that's, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. That gritty dirt, like street. Yeah. Dude, I remember run. seeing them at Coachella a couple years back and just, like, turning to the guy next to me who I didn't even know, and we were like, we're never going to see Daft Punk, obviously. That's never going to be a thing that happens again because this was in, like, 2017, so we knew there was never going to be a Daft Punk concert again. Yeah. But we were just like, this is the closest we'll ever get to Daft Punk is Justice right now, and it was just so... So, yeah, like, I, I definitely hear you, man, on that one. That would be really rad. Really you know, Daft Daft Punk. good on any movie. Mm-hmm. Literally any movie works with Kid A. No. And then Justice has the cross, too, you know? So there we go. Thematically appropriate. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, aren't they, like, essentially Christian Daft Punk or Catholic Daft Punk? There you go. That's her thing. You got it. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> one thing, too, I was going to say, Alan, kind of hit on what you were saying about, like, appreciating that this was real and how that's kind of gone out of vogue. I think that's, like, be- why a big part of the reason why the Mission Impossible movies are so 
popular now because they're like the only really big budget franchise that's just like we're just gonna do all this for real like the marketing for all of those movies are like start with like look tom cruise broke his foot doing this thing you know he's not like (laughs) it's not like a stunt guy in front of like a green screen they're actually out there filming real locations and doing like actually having people jump out of planes and doing whatever and so this hits on that same thing people really like to go and look at stuff that's real because even if you can't like don't necessarily like pick it out like subconsciously your brain will be like this looks kind of weird this looks different whereas you're watching this movie and it is beautiful that's what i really appreciated about uh dunny villeneuve's dune Oh, yeah. that so yeah. much yeah. of it was like mm. practical and they and when they needed like really wild special effects like for the ornithopters like they i don't know they did like crazy motion blur stuff i don't know that movie excited me that's my point yeah it's a great that's point. a good movie good yeah i think it's very much like it's it's possible with those kind of movies where it's like kind of a more easily accessible practical space like a desert you know, is yeah. a very, very practical space and easily accessible. But then, you know, you have movies where they're in, especially New York, and pretty much impossible to film in New York unless you're, like, spending, like, the majority of your budget on that. That's why, you know, you have... Well, Sky, shut down Times Square for real. If we're talking about practical <laughs> yeah. shots that blow my brain apart, Who? Vanilla Sky. Oh, Vanilla <laughs> uh, Sky. Cruise movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like... Tough. Okay. We're going back to yeah. Tom Cruise can get everything done. Puts in the work. He he does his his ah. Scientology mind tricks on people <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and breaking his ankle was not CGI. Yeah. They didn't yeah. CGI that. He actually yeah. broke it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, you like, can see it in the original footage because his, his yeah. foot goes, like, the wrong direction, like, 400 <laughs> feet in the air. Yeah. And that was literally the first thing that they used to promote that movie. He, like, came on some talk show and was like, hey, look, my foot broke. Before a trailer or anything came out for that, they were like, look at this crazy stuff we're doing. It's, st- it's still in the movie. There's, like, one or two mm-hmm. frames where yeah. you can see it start to go. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. You should leave that in the movie. It's not mm-hmm. it's not the Starbucks cup on the table on Game <laughs> of Thrones. Yeah. I'm oh, still please. mad about that. I'm still mad about that. That's it's just because Wait, are you wait, are, are you upset really that it, it's in Game of Thrones or, or did they take it out like in Mandalorian? No, it's where... it's gone. No, it is gone yeah. from the Blu-rays. It is gone from HBO Max. Like Oh, are you mad about not the it. from existence and i think that's garbage if you make mistakes in movies that's just part of the movie we leave them in there i know which one you're gonna say alan jeans guy yep jeans Jeans guy guy. was in mandalorian and i remember seeing him and going is that a fuck up and then they took it out and i was like how dare you how next day did they fix did they fix the um i know there was a recent one in in the book of boba fett of them like taking a shot that you could see the stage like you could see yeah. the the because you know they're fake fake buildings. You could see the roof of the fake building and like oh. it being like a corner of of a you know like a facade and and mm, stuff like that. No. I'm I'm sure they took that one out too. Yeah. What I'm not I even wouldn't... sure. I watched all the episodes of Book of Boba Fett. Ah, you just well, gotta watch the, the ones, ones with the Mandalorian. Don't even worry yeah. about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that mistake was like in like the second episode, I think. But yeah, but, but can, can we agree that mm-hmm. the the 
the uh, PA pushing over the Christmas tree in Gremlins should always be in that movie. He's wearing a bright orange coat for some reason. I don't know why. Dude, well, what you it, gotta do is just do what David Lynch did and just be like, oh, this this guy who was like on the crew who accidentally his reflection is in one of my shots, I'm gonna make him the overarching big bad and write him into the deep, <laughs> deep lore of my like wild series. Like that's what David you gotta do. Lynch go go goes full Lynch. Hard. He goes hard. <laughs> he goes hard. He goes hard. There's a star another Star Wars. I don't know if it was in the prequels. But somebody, same thing happened. That's why I'm upset about Gene's guy, because I can't exactly remember, but somebody was on the set, and they're not supposed to be there. And instead, George Lucas is like, let's give that person lore. And now they're canonized in Star Wars. I need to look it up, but it's hilarious. And I'm like, yeah, why couldn't the cup in Game of Thrones be like, hey, man, that was some weird time travel shit. Okay. So my brain just broke a little bit. So we are talking about the word canonization and canonized <laughs> in both the Catholic meaning of the term and the Star Wars meaning of the term. <laughs> and I think that's beautiful. Thank you for spending this night with me, friends. You're very welcome. We solved it. We solved <laughs> the entertainment. There's one more, too, of uh, something that they took out of movie, and it was only available for a week, and they changed it in theaters, I would have loved to see the original print of Cats that just had yeah. like, like, like all these weird glitches that made it look like they had buttholes, and you could like see Judy Dench's ring and stuff like that on her fingers still, like Judy Dench's wedding ring, because they yeah. just like didn't finish it, and then they like, oh, oops, we released it, and now okay, a week later we fixed all it's, these issues. It's it's better to oops, we release it and fix them and just ignore it ever happened than to Sonic the Hedgehog yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and, original and release a trailer that the internet collectively loses their entire minds over so much that you have to screw over hundreds and hundreds of artists. Yes, I'm still mad about that one, too. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure they screwed over hundreds of artists for, for cats, too, to get that one week that, later. That's so. true. Yeah, I, we can't really pick a villain between cats <laughs> yeah. and Sonic, I'm sure. There was no click track. Was the thing about when, when that guy shot Les Mis, oh, and like uh, they didn't they didn't have a click track in their ear or something, mm, and they all just had yeah. to like figure out how to line up the music later. I was like, "Damn, that sounds like way too much." No, because yeah, Tom Hooper like, like starts making movies and doesn't <laughs> it, know how. Well, it's very much like <laughs> have an Oscar, it. dipshit. <laughs> Well, he did it. He did it fine in Les Mis. I don't. I don't understand why they didn't. He didn't do good in Cats. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where where are you at on Cats, though? As it oh, as it like... relates to oh. the Messenger. Uh, we'll go. We did. Walk, uh, could go. Yeah. As an April Fool's Day episode. So yeah. there's that. We did. So we did Cats as an April Fool's Day episode, and then I pulled my own April Fool's prank and did not watch the movie, but spoke of about it and fooled them for for like forty five minutes, and Stand then revealed at the end. <laughs> and re- and at the end, I did not watch this movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. I also haven't seen Cats and have no plans to. So I've never no. seen Cats sober. Yeah, no, you don't have to watch cats because what I've clearly proven with with my experiment is that I could I could you could talk about it to the day's end and not watch it. So, yeah. 
Uh, well, guys, uh, <laughs> any any final thoughts on The Messenger? It's an oh, awesome yeah, movie, right. and everyone should watch it. Seriously, that's yeah, get out there my... and watch it. Please do. T- tweet me your thoughts on on Dustin Hoffman's luxurious beard. He that, that's he, a patchy. He, like, uh, yeah. When he just pops up, just like hello there. Like it just yeah. like I was like I like audibly I was watching it alone and I was like is that Dustin fucking Hoffman like it just yeah. caught me so off guard because it's just like like all the it's like the most French part of the movie too it's just like ah yeah. oh, Joan we will judge you and then just like just like oh jo- jo- did you ever think about what would happen if the sword was here and it's just you like found I was standing- a sword in a field <laughs> you found a sword in a field <laughs> nobody delivers lines like him he's so good. <laughs> Well, it took me for a second because like to like, it took me a second to like place. I was like the vague. I know this person, and then like it slowly came to me, and I'm like, Dustin Hoffman, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, because <laughs> he's got such like that the voice, you know, like he's like, hello there, well, it's, oh. it's Hoffman. Um, oh, we've got yeah. the president is is uh, committing crimes, Redford. We've got to get to the bottom of this. The president of God is on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> in a field <laughs> oh man well this has been super yeah. fun um uh I'm glad I, I said, could ruin all of your nights <laughs> <laughs> with my elder millennial takes yeah i'm just a mid-millennial so you know you gotta i was i was a wee lad in 99 i was too busy watching my my new hero uh anakin skywalker pod race to be distracted by any of this nonsense Dude, you you can you can throw all the shit you want to at the prequels till the end of time. Nobody can touch the pod race. The pod race rules. No, it legitimately pod does. The pod race is great, yeah. and and like that movie, like what I've always said about that movie. I'm getting off track, but whatever. That movie is like it's just a collection we of awesome moments. It's, yes. it's just yeah. like yes. the, it's yeah, like I mean. the pod race the and pod the race. the three way fight with the dual lightsaber with Darth Maul. Those are two of the coolest scenes in any movie. In like, they're so great, and there's a bunch of just other great stuff in it. That's just like this as a whole. I don't know if it works, but like, just watch this scene. This is incredible. Definitely the third most iconic Star Wars score music or song. Yeah, yeah. Williams, untouchable. It's it goes like yeah, it like goes the main Star Wars theme. You know, Darth Vader's march, Vader's march, and then duel the fates. You know, in recognition yep. and knowledge. Um, but yeah, pod racing. Like they, the the fact of the matter is that it got referenced in. I was about to say the Mandalorian episode, <laughs> Mandalorian, but it was mm-hmm. a book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian episode. But yeah, um, they legit recreated the pod race. Yeah. That yeah. So. And they gave Mannequin yeah. Starfighter, not the exact one, but still. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Hey, Mike. I just wanna, I wanna thank you so much for recommending Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace as your underrated pick. Uh, it's easily one of my favorite <laughs> underrated films I've ever seen. It's this little movie. You guys I've been talking heard. about Star Wars on the internet for ten goddamn years. Like, there is nothing that like Star Wars fans have not called me or threatened me with. So, yeah, they're all great. All nine of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love them all. I, I'm with you on that. Uh-huh. Well, well, on that note, since you you brought up that you've been talking about Star Wars on the internet, 
Uh, Mikey, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and what kind of stuff you do? Uh, yeah, you can find me at youtube.com slash filmjoy. We make uh, two shows, Deep Dive and Movies of Mikey. Movies of Mikey is my film essay series uh, where I try to talk about stuff I like and say things about movies that you might not have realized or look at art on a deeper level and and think about why art helps us through situations in life as opposed to tearing us all apart every time there's any movie release at all. Uh, which I don't like. Which I am actively combating. Yeah, Watch yeah. my show. It's great. It's fun. It's done. It sound fun. It's great. <laughs> I watch it all the time, which is why I was like, I got to get Mikey on. I got to get Mikey on the podcast. In fact, there was a moment earlier when you were talking about, oh, throw on a movie, throw on an M. Night Shyamalan movie and just like put music on. I was like, oh, I was watching a video essay where they said something about the happening. And then I was like, wait, no, that was you. <laughs> That's where I got that. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, guys, go there's, ahead and check out Mikey. There's actually a clip in that episode of. Yeah, actually, just start with the Shyamalan episode, which, FYI, it's pronounced Shyamalan, not Shyamalan. Everyone has been saying it wrong <laughs> for 20 years. Whoa. Part that's of the episode. A twist. What? <laughs> that actually, I think that's what I say is, what? Because <laughs> I had to record the video essay saying it wrong. Because I, I mm. was hanging out with my friend uh, who's a film critic in both Mumbai and New York, uh, Sadant Adlaka. Uh, he wrote mm. for Village Voice and stuff, but he was like a really good window into like early Indian life, but also like the, the just the weird like sort of film path that M. Night took and like tried to like carve out space for himself in all these interesting strange ways i don't know that guy fascinates me to no end yeah well that that will be in the episode description anybody who is interested i will put that episode specifically in. there's there's wu-tang and last airbender you cannot go wrong with that in that episode <laughs> <laughs> uh, as for the rest of us um, if you guys have liked this episode with Mikey we do other episodes as well you know we've had other other pretty cool guests on sometimes we don't have any cool guests so just the three of us do it so who, who knows if those are any good we've had a lot of fun today though but if you guys have liked this check out the rest of our stuff um, we're as we said this is underrated go ahead and give us a subscription we're on all the podcast app on YouTube uh, or check us out on Instagram and all the socials undercast company uh, we do a couple other shows and stuff, um, but once again, I've been Derek. Thank you guys so much for listening. And, I've been Alan, and, and I hope you guys take it easy. Oh, sorry. How long have we been doing this? I am. <laughs> I've been Ariel. Thanks for being amazing, everybody. And I'm here, too. <laughs>